Today's daf mesachesaita is daf memzayin, forty-seven. So we're actually the last line of memvav amud beis. We're going to discuss today. Uh, we'll finish the discussion of yesterday, which was the incident where Elisha killed these youths. We're going to learn about that in the beginning with these bears, the miraculous bears. We'll see about that. And then we'll go on to a discussion um, about scenarios that people should be cautious. We're going to learn about specifically treating Talmidim in a certain way that person should be cautious, more accepting than, than preventing and pushing away. We'll move on to a new mission and discuss Egla Rufa in terms of contradictory testimony that will lead us to Memzayin Amud Beis, and we'll actually analyze that sugya the same exact way we analyzed the sugya Lamad Aleph Amud Beis. And the end of the daf today, we're going to begin really, which what is like the end of the Masechta, where the Gemara goes through all kinds of lofty levels that were lost when people's morale, moral um, codes, morals, moral levels started to de- decrease. So let's begin. What? Decline. Decline. Thank you. So we're starting the bottom in Bavmut Beis. We had a Misa yesterday. This is a story, Malachim Beis. Elisha. Elisha was the primary student of Elia Navi, and after Elia Navi passed away, Elisha took over um, as the leader of Nevius and Klal Yisrael. Now there was a story where he went to a city called Jericho, and the waters in that city were bitter. The place that people were dying because of it, they couldn't, they didn't have water. So he made a miracle, and the waters became sweetened. So he said that everybody was happy with this miracle, besides four couple of chevra that used to supply water to the city. You know, these oilam that were the uh, bottled water chevra. So these guys, what's that? He put them out of business. They were, they didn't have any, so they got upset at Elisha and they cursed him. So the psukim tells us in Malachim Beis that, as we're going to see, he said, Hashem Hashem, and bears came and killed them. 42 of these youths. So we're going to see over here is that a, the Gemara yesterday told us the, the level of iniquity, why it was that they were killed, but here we start off the, the bottom of the Memphavamut base. The Gemara says, Two bears left the forest. And it mauled, it consumed, or killed 42 of these youths. Turning to Mazayim Aleph. So Rav Vishmuel, is Machlaikis here on what the miracle exactly was. Chad Amar Nes. So one sheet that says, this was a miracle. Chad Amar, the other sheet that says, Nes It was a miracle within a miracle. It was two miracles, actually. Manda Amar Nes, the one who says that it was a miracle, Yar Hava, meaning, oh yeah, there was a, Hava, oh yeah, I don't know, I'm not there. There was a forest there already. Dubim Loi Havu, there were not bears. So the miracle was that Elisha caused there to be bears, even though there weren't bears. Manda Amar Nes, Pesach Nes, now the Shittu says that it was a miracle within a miracle, Loi Yar Hava, not only were there not bears, there, were all, there was no forest and there was no bears. So Elisha made that there would be a forest and that there would be bears also. What's that? So the Gemara says, Why not just make there be bears? If you're going to make a miracle, so make bears, and there doesn't have to be a forest, why would you do that extra miracle? So the Gemara answers, very interesting, See, if there was no forest next to where the bears were, they would be scared. Bears generally are animals actually based on a Gemara and Tainus, they won't attack unless they feel comfortable. And they only feel comfortable when they're near their natural environment. So therefore, Elisha made it that there was a forest as well as bears that they would feel comfortable and therefore attack. Really what it seems like the Machlechus here is, is what's less 
of a change of Teva. Is it less of a change of Teva for Elisha to make bears in a forest, but they'll attack in a natural way? Or is it less of a change in Teva to make bears and not make a forest, because that's more of a uh, uniqueness, changing, making a forest appear out of nowhere, and then they'd attack uh, in, an, in an abnormal sort of way. Am Rabbi Hanina. Says Rabbi Hanina, actually tie into, um, we're going to tie into Shavuos now. Because of the 42 Karbanos that Bolak, the king of Moab, had brought, remember in the incident where Bolak hired Bilam, he was a mercenary to curse the Jewish people, eventually he wasn't successful. But through the procedure, <coughs> he, he charged Bilam and they brought 42 Karbanos. So the Gemara tells us here, because of those 42 korbanos, Sheikriv Balak Melech Moab, that Balak the king of Moab brought, Huvke Umi Yisrael Arbaim Mishnayim Yeladim. 42 children were killed from the Jewish people. So it seems like the negative intention that Balak had in those korbanos being brought yielded Peros. It brought out this outcome that eventually, years later, in the days of Elisha, 42 Jewish kids died. Asks the Gemara, Aini, is that the outcome? It means you're saying that there was a negative outcome based on those korbanos Balak had brought. But Aini, is that true? Vahamar of Yudam Arav, Rav Yudam Arav taught. We actually had this in Tainis. We had this in Psachim. This comes up a lot. Rav Yudam Arav taught. Says, a person should begin learning Torah and mitzvahs. He should begin learning and performing Torah and mitzvahs. Even though it's not lishma, because even though now it's not lishma, it's not for the most most altruistic uh, intent, which Rashi Maseches Tainus learns. I'm only doing because Hashem commanded me so. Eventually, it will be lishma. And how do I know that that's valuable, even if it's shalol lishma? In the reward of the 42 korbanos that Balak, the king of Moab, had brought, Rus, who was the, the progenitor of Shlomo Melech of Malchus based David, came out of Balak Melech Moab, Shlomo. And Shlomo descended from her. It says by Shlomo, a thousand korban oilas Shlomo had brought. Bolak was Rus's grandfather. Rus was the daughter of Eglon, who was the son of Bolak. Some of the Rishonim here say it wasn't exactly. It wasn't exactly the. Maybe it was uh, not a perfect descendant, but the point is she was a descendant. Maybe, maybe a few more generations. The point is, what do you see? You see that the Mida Keneged Mida, what he was rewarded for those 42 Karbanos, was a positive thing, is that he merited, this Balak merited, that his daughter, granddaughter, great-granddaughter, however you want to say it, was Rus, who eventually became the mother of uh, Malchus based David, of Shlomo Melech, etc. So asks the Gemara, how can you say that the outcome was a negative one, that 42 uh, Jewish Kid, uh, boys, Jewish kids died. Lachar was a positive outcome that he had Rus as a descendant. So the more answer is His intent, his desire was for curse. Meaning, there were two ramifications of his karbanos. It's true on one level he brought karbanos, so the positive outcome of that was he had a great-granddaughter or granddaughter whose name was Rus, whose son was Shlomo, who bought thousands of korbanos, because there was a positive element that it was Shalol Shema, that's fine, no problem. But there was also a negative intent to curse the Jewish people, and that was actualized in the killing of these 42 
boys later. Let's move on with the story now. The story goes, this is actually earlier, is that the, the people in Yericho, uh, when, when Elisha sweetened the waters, they turn to Elisha, the prophet, and they say to him, The people of the city said to Elisha, Dwelling in this city is good. As you can see. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. They're telling Elisha that living in this city is good. The water's bad. And the land is killing its people. This is a very negative place to live. So what's the good? Why are they telling Elisha this is such a pleasant place to live? If the water's not good and the, the place is killing its inhabitants, so why are you saying that the place is good? So Amr Rabbi Chanin, Rabbi Chanin answers, there's a aside here. The aside is, the rule is, that there is a grace a place has on its inhabitants. Which means to say is that if you live somewhere, there's a natural appreciation, a natural endearment you will have regarding that place. Even if other people don't necessarily see that, or objectively speaking, there's not a uh, positive and uh, a good thing associated with it. I just want to point one thing out here, very interesting, is that I think it's... Rav Yaakov Emden points out, sometimes you find in Shas that there's a fellow who's not often quoted, but when he is quoted, his name correlates directly to the quote that he says. So that's Mamash an example here. Rabbi Chanin says, The word Chanin comes from the word grace. That's what it means, or endearment. You find that sometimes in Shas, there is a quote or the teaching that is for all posterity, for all future generations, actually reflects on the person's name, which is an interesting, interesting reality. <coughs> Rabbi Yechen, Rabbi Yechen takes this one step further. He says, There are three types of grace, which means there's three types of scenarios where somebody will find something appreciated and endearing, even if that's not objectively the reality. Number one, So one is that the inhabitants of a place, they appreciate the place they live in, even if it's not necessarily the best place. Number two, Right, the grace of a woman in her husband's eyes, meaning that a husband will appreciate his wife. Rashi says, even if she's not, even if she's ugly, even if she's ugly, the husband will still appreciate her for who she is. That's why the Gemara in Ksuvis teaches us that when you dance in front of the kala, you're supposed to say kala How can you say it's lying? How can you say she's beautiful? The answer is, in his eyes, she's beautiful. So you're saying the truth, not a problem. And number three, the grace of a purchased item on the one who purchased it. When you purchase something, the other guy might say, you got ripped off, terrible deal. It's not, okay, but you, you bought it, you spent money on it, you appreciate it. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. Sanravanan continues the Gemara on this topic of Elisha. The Brisa says, There were three illnesses that Elisha, this Navi, uh, had in his lifetime. So number one is because he caused those children to die through the bears, that was a certain claim against him. Meaning there was, it, was, it was in a certain way, it was harsh. It was too harsh. And he, he got punished for that, he got sick. Number two, Number two is that he had a student who was Gabai, Gehazi, and he pushed him away with two hands. We're going to learn about this Misa momentarily. Elisha had a student named Gehazi, and because Gehazi, he felt, acted inappropriately, he pushed him with two hands. It's an expression. What it means to say is he pushed him away too harshly. 
he shouldn't have pushed him away so harshly, and because he pushed him away that harshly, we're going to learn later, he ended up, what? Also. Oh, we're going to get there in a minute. That's my next so, yeah. But the point is, he, he went off and he, be, he went off the derech. We're going to see momentarily. Because of that, he got punished as well with an illness. And the last illness that he got was the illness that he died from. Shinamra, where do we find this? The Pasuk tells us in Malachim Aleph, it says, Malachim um, Bez, excuse me, it says, Elisha There's three expressions here. It says, Elisha was sick, Eschalio number two, with his illness, number three, Asher Yamusboy, that he died. So there were three illnesses in his lifetime corresponding to these three stories. Natan Rabbanan. This is the story we're going to get into now. This Gemara is one of those Gemaras that were censored. Remember, we spoke about um, in the 13th century, there was all this debate between Rabbi Chilmi Paris and this uh, Nicholas Donan fellow, this whole Misa, that's the one time in history. There are many times in history that the Christians, they didn't like our Gemaras. They just didn't <laughs> like what it said. Because although the Gemara doesn't talk about Christianity and Yeshu that often, where it does, it's not very very flattering, which is uh, natural. So the Gemara says like this, Tanarabah, this is one of those places that it was censored. What's interesting is that this is afterwards, afterwards, oh, sorry, they were able, apparently, somebody told me that the Chachamim compared our Gemaras to the Gemaras of the Temanim, and theirs were apparently not censored, which is very interesting. So they were able to reinsert. I don't know. I don't know exactly. What I'm just saying is, is that it's, it's very interesting because you know they can try to erase this as much as they want, but uh, you know, it's it's a big aside here. Is a person should always be. Pushing with his left hand, which means if he's if he has to give musr harsh with his left hand, which is his weaker arm, meaning the musr should be weaker and the mikareves, the hand that brings people in, that shows them affection, should be with a stronger arm. Meaning whenever there's an incident where you have to give some sort of a harsh criticism, or we're going to discuss in terms of talmidim, it should always be that the musr isn't as strong as the, the love you show. That's the point. So like Elisha Yadav, not like Elisha, who pushed away Gehazi with two hands, which was too harsh, nor like Yeshua ben Prachya, Now our Girsa is he pushed away one of his students with two hands. If you look, there's a little marker there, and at the bottom it says Yeshua Nitsri. So this Yeshua ben Prachya was quoted in Pirkei he was the Nasi of the Sanhedrin, he pushed away one of his students with two hands. The Apparently the original Girsa was Yeshua Noitzri. He pushed away Yeshua Noitzri. Yeshu is, uh, Yeshu is Yemach Shemoy V'Zichar. That's what Yeshu actually stands for, which is interesting because they also call Yemach Shemoy V'Zichar, they call Yeshu, they call Jesus. I mean, that's what, it, but we call Yeshu is Yimach Shemay I don't know which one came first or if it's a play on words or what, but that's interesting. Either way, let's go through the Mises now. But he pushed him away with two hands. Now, I don't know, I want everyone here to have a little bit of homework, do a little bit of research, and figure out if the way they claim when Yeshu would have lived would have correlated with being a Talmud of Yeshua ben Prachia. I'd like to I'd like to look that up if we can figure that out. Because there are sheet as I remember when I learned this elsewhere. Some say that it's not Pashat that this is the same, same person. I mean sometimes we talk about Yamach Shemai we're referring to other Talmidim, other other people who went off the derech. Not not right, not necessarily that person, but it's other people. Yeah, let's go by to we have to move. Elisha so the Gemara says, what was the story with Elisha? Meaning, where do we find that he pushed away Gehazi and it was too harsh? So the Psukim tell us Malachim Bez as follows. The story was like this. There was a general of the Aram army, meaning a non-Jewish general, and he had Saras. 
So he had some sort of he had some sort of an illness. All right, I'll look it up after. It's fine. He had some sort of an illness. Now th- this 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 uh, what's his name Naaman. This this general was told go to Elisha. He can cure you. So he went to Elisha, and Elisha told him, go dunk in the river. I remember the story exactly. He was miraculously cured. Beautiful. So he told Elisha, wow, I want to give you all kinds of gifts. And Elisha denied. He said, I want your gifts. As he was walking away, Gehazi, who is the student of Elisha, runs after Naaman. Uh, you know, Elisha's changed his mind. Give us the gifts. Okay. It was a lie. It wasn't true. So the Pasuk tells us, the Pasuk tells us, yeah, it was like the Gavai of the Rebbe. I mean, it's a dechsev. The Pasuk tells us, So Naaman said to Gehazi, swear, means tell me that, swear to me that it's true that Elisha changed his mind. And then he said, take kikrayim, take two kikar of silver and some clothing. And so he said, and he gave them to Elisha. And then the Pasuk tells us after that Elisha, uh, he gave it to Gehazi, excuse me. Then Gehazi goes back to Elisha and he, he hid the fact that he had gotten these things. But Elisha recognized that he did. So Vayomer Elof, so Elisha turns to his student Gehazi and he says to him, Do you not think my heart went with you when that man descended from his horse to greet you? Meaning from his chariot to greet you? Means, Do you think I'm not aware that you went and you took these gifts that you weren't supposed to? Is now the time to take the silver and to take the clothing? Rashi says, in Olam Hazeh, is that the time now? You should have gotten your schar in the next world and instead you're taking it now. And olives and grapes. And all kinds of gifts. Right Now is not the time and that was not appropriate. So the Gemara now interjects, wait a second. If you look at the first Pasuk when it says what he got from Naaman, all it, sells is, all it says is silver and clothing. And then Elisha gives him Musr about all kinds of gifts that he got, but he didn't get all of those gifts. So the Gemara understands the Musr he was giving him was it's a reference. There's eight items listed in the Pasuk. It's a reference to what they were learning at the time. And what Elisha was essentially saying was, you're losing the schar that you would have gotten in the next world because you're taking this finite reward now. So asks the Gemara, but did Gehazi get all of these things? All he got was silver and clothing. At that time when this incident occurred, Elisha was learning the parak of Shmaina Shratzim. It's a parak in Mesech um, Shabbos. It talks about the different types of uh, creatures that convey tumma when they're dead, the different bugs, so, or, or little creatures. creatures. So Amar Lo Rasha. So he said to him, Rasha, he said to Gehazi, wicked one, in Olam Hazah, is it the time to take the reward for these this parak for your learning of Shmanashratzim? So he cursed him that the tsaras of Naaman, meaning the tsaras that he experienced, should be stuck on you and your children forever. And that's why two prokim later it says, we read this haftarah sometimes. I think we read it in Tazriya Mitzayra. It says, four men were Mitzayra, and that's the haftarah, Melachim uh, Be'ez, Perigzayin. This is a reference to Gehazi and his three children. So the point is, is they all got saras and he sent them away. Sometime later, Elisha realized that this was a little harsh. So what he wanted to do was to go after Gehazi and ask him to return. Elisha went to Damasek, to Damascus, to uh, try to get Gehazi to return. So the Gemara says, why did he go there? He wanted to get Gehazi to return in Shuva. But Gehazi didn't accept. He didn't want her to do Shuva. 
So Amr Lechazar Bechag, Elisha the Rebbe said to his, his ex-Talmud, you could say, he said, do tshuva, return. So Amr Lechazi said back to Elisha, kach mekublani mimcha, this is the tradition I learned from you, Anybody that sinned and caused others to sin, Hashem doesn't, he's not able to do teshuva. So the Gemara says, what was it that he had done? Meaning, what was it that Gehazi did that he caused others to sin that he felt he couldn't even do teshuva? So the Gemara says, some say, we know this was, this was at a time when there was a split in the Malchus. There was a difference between Yisrael and Yehuda. Now, Yehud Yisrael was an area originally governed by Yeravim ben Nevat. Yeravim ben Nevat recognized that if the people from Yisrael, which is the northern region, Shomron or Samaria, would go down during the Regalim to the Beis Hamikdash, so what would happen there is the king of Malchus, Beis, the king of, da, of uh, Yehuda, would be allowed to sit in the Azara. He, he's a Melech Yisrael. He's not allowed to sit. People would realize he's the uh, illegitimate king, and then they might go back to serving Melech Yehuda and not acting as his, um, his, uh, his, what's it called, his, uh, his subject. Thank you. So what did he do? He set up shomrim. He set up guards on the way, not allowing people Where to go down. Shomrim. And then he set up these calves. He said, this is where we're going to go, the oil of the regal. So what did Gehazi do? Gehazi wanted to add emphasis to those calves. So he did something to show that there's a supernatural element in regarding those calves. What did he do? So some say he put these stones of, it's magnetic stones literally, magnets, uh, for, for the calves of Yeravam. means he was able to suspend them using magnetism, but people, it looked like then that there was some supernatural occurrence. It gave them credibility, and that caused people to worship Avodah Zarah. So he was chaitu And it caused these calves to float between heaven and earth. Right? He figured out magnetism. And others say, Others say that he carved the name of Hashem on these calves' mouths, the Haisai Meris, and these are golden calves, by the way, they're not regular calves, the Haisai Meris, and the calves started to say, uh, they started to say the Aseris Adibras. So again, it gave them some sort of credibility, causing people to worship them. The Ikada Amri and others say, that actually it was an earlier incident. What had happened was before this, that when rabbis would come, students would come to learn by Elisha, the primary Navi in the time, he would push them away and not allow them to learn from Elisha. And that was considered because he wouldn't allow people to come learn Torah and fulfill their potential. That's causing the public to sin. Because the Pasuk tells us after the event where Gehazi leaves, it says, The students of the Navim said to Elisha, The place that we're sitting in front of you, in front of you, it's too cramped. Now, why were they only saying that now? Michlal, that implies the Ada Idna, lo It implies that until now it wasn't cramped. Why did it suddenly get cramped? Because the Gehazi used to push away the other students. Now he wasn't there to push them away. So there was an influx of students. Either way, the point is, is that we learned from this, the first example, that since Elisha pushed him away too harshly, you're not meant to do that. That Musr is important, but not at the expense of being too harsh. Incident number two, Yeshua ben Prachya Mahi. What was the story with Yeshua ben Prachya? So the Gemara says, Kedahava kakat yanei malka l'rabbanon. Yanei amelech, he was one of the malchus chashmonoi. Uh, now he wasn't necessarily accepted as a legitimate king, and what ended up happening is, he retaliated against the rabbis, and he killed out all the rabbis. 
Now there's a few of them that survived, but they survived in a in a specific way. So Shimon ben Shetach atminu achte, the sister of Shimon ben Shetach was the wife of Yane Amelech. So the wife of Yane Amelech hid her brother Shimon ben Shetach. She hid him. And Rabbi Shua ben Prachya, who was the Nasi, also Azal Arak Lachsandria Shal Mitzrayim. So he was able to go run to Alexandria of Egypt, meaning he ran away to Egypt to be saved. So Kihavashamu, when things settled down, meaning when it became peaceful and Yana wasn't killing the rabbis anymore, Shalach Shimon ben Shetach, Shimon ben Shetach sent a discreet letter to. Uh, Rabbi Yeshua ben Prachia to tell him to come back. And what did he say? Mini Yerushalayim Irakodesh, from me in Yerushalayim Irakodesh, Lecha to you, Alexandria Shal Mitzrayim, to Alexandria of Egypt, Achaisi, Bali Sharu Besaychich, my sister, my husband, these are terms of, ex- of endearment, uh, dwells amongst you. He was sending a message to Shimon ben Shetach, and I am dwelling here desolate. Meaning what he was saying was, is you're, you're welcome to come back now. It's peaceful and it's going to be safe for you. So Amar Yeshua ben Prachia said, it must be it's peaceful in Yerushalayim, and he went back. So on the way back, he, asa, he went back with his entourage, with students, and he asa, on the way back, they stopped at a certain inn. A motel to get some food, rest. Come, be a So they got up in front of him with great honor. They gave him great um, respect. They gave him significant honor, meaning in the, in the hotel there they recognized Yeshua ben Prachia, one of the great chachamim, and they gave him great respect. So Yeshua ben Prachia was sitting and he was praising the the innkeeper. How beautiful is this innkeeper? Now he didn't mean to say physically beautiful. So he meant, as Rashi says, yeah. meaning he meant to say her actions. She's acting in a wonderful way. That's what he meant to say. Now again, this, there's a Girsa change here. Yeshua Noitzri. So one of his students, uh, they take or they take it out, they change it. How can you say that? <clears throat> one of his students, I guess that wasn't Yeshua, no, it's Echem Yitalmidah, they take out. So one of the students said to Yeshua ben Prachia, Rebbe, I know Trutais, her eyes are round. How can you call her beautiful? She has strange looking eyes. So Amar Leh, is unbelievable. So Yeshua ben Prachia responded with such a strong force. He said, Russia, wicked one, Bekachata Oisek, this is what you're involved with. You're looking at an Ashes Ish. Apik arba mea shipure vishamte, he took out 400 shofaros and he had this student put in cherem. Kol yoma, every day, asalakame vilaykable. Every day, the student used to come to Yeshuv and Prachya and he would not accept him. He, he held, he held his stance. 400 shofaros, what does that mean? Made sounds. Everybody knew this guy was in cherem. 400? 400, pretty intense, yeah. It's pretty intense. So every day the students would come to Yeshua ben Prachia and he didn't accept him. Yom Echad one day, Havakari Krishma. Yeshua ben Prachia was busy reading Krishma. The student came in front of Yeshua ben Prachia. Now, that day, Yeshua ben Prachia was thinking to accept the student back. So he motioned with his hand. Now, apparently, the motioning wasn't very clear. It, he probably was like this, but maybe he thought that he was like this. I don't exactly know what it was, but it looked like he was. Sending him away. Savar so the student thought Yeshua Prachia was pushing him away. He went and stood up a brick and he bowed down to it. it. Means he started to worship idols, and that's another example. So eventually Yeshua Prachia he saw that his student had gone off the derech. He went back to his student and he said, do tshuva. You could do tshuva, So again, the student said Yeshua Prachia. 
This is the tradition they have from you. Anyone that sins and causes others to sin, he's not granted the opportunity to do teshuva. To Amar Mar, as it was stated, now again, this gear says some people add in Yeshu. Kishif, that Yeshu, what had he done that was Kishif, he did black magic. He caused others to sin in forms of idolatry. Causing everybody to sin. The point is, therefore, he didn't hold that he was able to do teshuva. So these are two examples where when you give muster, specifically to students we're talking about, has to be done with tremendous caution. Uh, that's not what it says here, but yeah, it's going to be a sense of Sanhedrin, maybe. Tanya, the Bryce says, let's finish the sugya. Yeah, it's, I think that's a different Gemara, actually. Yeah, I believe so. By the way, I just want to point out that it could be this is not that person anyway, because Yesh is Yimashma Vizichra. It could be it's a Talmud who went off the derech. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, Aymer, Yetzer, Tinaik Ve'isha. There are three things that have to be dealt with with extreme caution. Yetzer, which is a man's natural desire for relations, uh, for his lust, tinaik, children, and isha, and women. All three, to his small doicha, his left hand should push away, v'yamin mekarevis, and his right hand should bring it close. So Rashi explains what does that mean. Yetzer, when it comes to the desire for relations, uh, his lust, he has to in indulge because that's the point of Piri Varivya. It's all important, but it has to be done with caution because overindulgence can also lead one down the wrong path. Isha, as what was the third, second one? Tinaik. If you're too harsh with your own children, it can cause them also to get to go off the derech, get lost, etc. That's also. And similarly, Isha, if a person's too harsh with his wife, very interesting thing, very important. You said, the Emir Defua, if he's too harsh, he chases her away, Tetzil Tarvus can cause her also to go off and do negative behavior. So it's very important. These three things, we're very cautious how we deal with them. Okay, new Mishnah, let's move on. Nimtza Zak the Mishnah. Now we're moving back back to uh, Egla Rufa for a minute now. Nimtza Nerfa Egla. Let's say they find the murderer before they had done the Egla Rufa procedure, meaning they had the Egla Rufa, they had the calf there, they had it decapitated, and they found the murderer. So the halacha is The calf can go graze in the uh, pen, meaning it's not Kaddish in any way. Rashi explains it's actually Machlaikis, but this sheet holds so that there's no Kedusha. No, it wasn't decapitated yet. It goes grazing the Eder. I mean, it gets, right. Yeah. Point is that it, it, it doesn't have Kedusha. It can go graze, no problem. What's the shot? Because the whole point of bringing it is when it's a suffix. Now you know who the murderer is. There's no suffix, so you deal with the murderer, and the calf is is, is, is chulin. Misha. When they cut, when they cut off his head, the, the, the blood goes to the, to the murderer. Oh, I don't know about that. Does that say it somewhere? Yeah, I interesting. I never heard that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, the blood. I never heard that. Interesting. However, Mishan Erfa Egla, once the calf has been decapitated, he covered Bimkaima, it's buried in its place. And even if you find the murderer afterwards, it's buried there. Because initially it was brought on a suffix, meaning we don't know who the murderer is. So the suffix is atoned for and it continues, meaning even if you find the murderer after, the atonement was felt and that's fine. However, therefore, says the Mishnah, What happens if you decapitated the calf and then you found the murderer afterwards? So the halacha is, He's still chayav misa. This doesn't atone for him. means he needs to get what he deserves. This maybe atones for the suffix on our behalf, but on his behalf, he's chayav misa. What city was guilty? 
Exactly. It, does, it doesn't. It does atone for him. He is chay of misa. That's the point. Exactly. All right, now we have. How can be chay of misa? No one saw him. No, no, if they had Edom, no, if there were Edom and Astra, of course, of course. Like so any, why do you have to any chi of Misa? So why do you even have to do the come on to Ego Arufa? Well, that's a chidosh akra. Chidosh akra is yeah. that where it's a suffix, you find the dead body, you don't know where it is. But we you, have to do. You say there's no suffix. There was Astra and Before there was a suffix. If after ah, the fact right. witnesses show up and they, they say, oh, we knew who it was, we, we warned him. Chai of Misa. The point is, the Egla Arufa procedure doesn't cover up for him. That's the point. Now we have three cases in this Mishnah, and we actually had the exact corollary sugya on Laman Aleph Mabes. We're going to have to stop one minute. But the Mishnah says, If one witness says, I saw the murderer, meaning you're about to do this procedure, one witness shows up and says, I saw the murderer. The other witness says, I did, you, you didn't see the murderer. You were with me, whatever it is. You couldn't have seen it. Case number one, Ishai Maris. Similarly, if a woman says Raisi, I saw the murder of Ishai Maris, Lai Raisa. The second woman says, You didn't see the murderer. So, how you orphan? They cancel out. Since they cancel out, you do the Eglarufa procedure. Case number two, If one witness says, I saw the murderer. And two people say, You didn't see the murderer. So, two override one. And therefore, how you orphan? The two would cancel out the one who says, I saw the murderer. And now it's going to be that you do the Aglarufa procedure. Case number three, two witnesses says, We saw the, uh, the uh, murderer. And one says, You didn't see the murderer. Again, the two cancel out the one. And they wouldn't do the Eglarufa procedure. And the Gemara is obviously going to understand there's no Chidushim here, so there has to be Chidushim in the Diyukim. We're going to go through the same exact Sugya and Lamed Aleph Mudbez that we had regarding Sota, but here it's regarding Eglarufa. Okay. Continues the Mishnah towards the bottom of Zainamud Aleph. We're going to talk now about how levels of Kedusha were lost. Lofty levels were lost when people's behavior started to get extremely negative. Zuck the Mishnah, Misha when the murderers increased, but Eglarufa, they forfeited the Eglarufa procedure. Meaning the point is, is that the whole point of Eglarufa was when there's a suffix, if people were murdered, we don't know what happened, then you do the Eglarufa that acts as some sort of a kapara for the Jewish people. But when it became obvious who the murderers were, people were so brazen as to murder in public, and they weren't responsible for it, they weren't held responsible, they just stopped this procedure. And the Gemishna tells us, who, in whose days was this? There was this fellow, Eliezer ben Dinai, and he used to be called Tchina ben Prisha. So then afterwards they called him the son of the murderer, because of he, he used to murder in public without, uh, without qualms. Continues the Mishnah, when adulterers started to increase, in a similar way, the bitter waters, the sota waters were stopped, their usage was, was stopped. Because the Pazik tells us in Isaiah, I will not check on your daughters, means the waters won't have impact because they are uh, committing adultery, they're 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 straying. As well as your daughter-in-laws are performing adultery. because they, meaning the men, are also involved in this. Everybody's involved in this, and it causes the bitter waters to no longer have functionality, and therefore they stopped using them. When these two great chachamim passed away, the eshkoilas Rashi explains over here. Isha Kolba, it's an acronym, somebody that has everything, which Rashi explains means until their days, there were no arguments in the Jewish people. When they would give over Tyre, these two great Chachamim, they, it was as if it was given from Sinai. There was no arguments about this 
because they had such a clear and comprehensive grasp of Torah. After their days, there started to become machlekes, the first machlekes being, as quoted in Maseches Chagiga, about smicha, Rashi says, uh, and karbanas and yantif. Very interesting. The point is, is that when the, in their days, no, they were considered ashkoilis. They had everything, and they gave it over without any sort of question or debate. Shinemar, as the pasuk says in Micha, ein eshkol leechol. There's no uh, grapes to eat. Bechura ivsanafshi. The fresh fruit my soul desires. Hashem says that now I no longer have these people that had everything without debate. Yochanan koyin gadol haver odayasamaiser. Yochanan koyin gadol. Uh, stopped the Vidoy Meiser. Vidoy Meiser is said every third and sixth year when you essentially claim, uh, proclaim that you gave all the Trumas and Meisers as you were supposed to. So he stopped that. We'll see in the Gemara, uh, Rashi explains, right? We'll see in the Gemara why that is. Afhu And he also stopped the Wakers and the Strikers. Again, we'll see in the Gemara what that refers to and why he did that. Turning to Memzayinu Beis, Ad Yamav, until his days, until Yochanan Kohen Gadol's days, have a patish maka Yerushalayim. You could hear the sound of a blacksmith's hammer in Yerushalayim. Rashi says for Dover Ha'avi, which is essentially permitted on Chol Moed, but afterwards he stopped it. Rashi explains because they have allowed the sound. People don't know that it's a Dover Avim. They can learn the wrong halacha. In his days, you didn't have to ask on Demai, which meant that before his days, not everybody would take off Demai when Mais Trumas and Mais was from Minama Aretz. When they would buy Trumas and Mais from Minama Aretz, they wouldn't take off the Trumas and Mais When they would buy produce from Minama Aretz, they wouldn't take off the Trumas and Mais properly, so it wasn't clear. But in his days, he required that everybody take off uh, Maestras properly from the produce bought from Anama Aretz, and therefore he didn't have to ask anymore. It was obvious that it was taken off as he required it. So how do we know that even after the decapitation of the calf, if the murder was found, it doesn't exempt in Talmud Lamer? Therefore the Pasuk tells us, For the land, there won't be an atonement of the blood that was spilled on it. Only through the blood being spilled. Meaning, in order for the atonement for this person to be had, it has to be that he's actually killed. Okay, now let's get into the Mishnah. We have three cases in the Mishnah. We're going to go through the exact same sugya that we went through on Lamed Al-Fumud Beis to the degree that Rashi says over here that he already explained it uh, and he's not going to explain it again over here because he explained it exactly and it's the same sugya exactly as there. So let's go. The, the first case was, One witness says that I saw the murder. The other one said you didn't. They contradict and they would do the Eglarufa procedure. So says the Gemara, Taima, the reason that you would do the Eglarufa procedure is because the Machishle, somebody else is coming and saying, Loira Isa, Machishle, which is Mashma, that if there wouldn't be someone contradicting him, Erechad Mehemin. So one witness would be believed. Menanimili, so the Gemara says, How do we know that one witness would be believed to say that I saw the murderer and therefore there wouldn't be an Eglarufa procedure. The Tanarabana and the Brisa says, the Pasuk tells us by Eglarufa, it's not known who killed this person. Mashma if we do know who was killed, even if there was just one person at the end of the world, he would have believability, and they wouldn't do the Eglarufa procedure. 
Rabbi Akiva and Rakiva says one step further, Sanhedrin Shiro, Echa Jaharaga Sanefesh. How do we know how do we know that if the Sanhedrin saw a person murder another, the Ain Makirana say, but they don't know who he was even, but they saw him. Shalahayu Arfin, they also wouldn't do the procedure. Tamud Lemur Veinenu Lai Rau, therefore the Pasik says Veinenu Lai Rau, our eyes have not seen. Vahale Rau, but they have seen. Lakhirat's Milashan Ainenu is like Eneha Eda is the Sanhedrin. The point is, in such a scenario, that uh, you wouldn't do the procedure because the Sanhedrin saw who it is, even if they don't know who it is now. All right, so the Gemara now says, based on that assumption, one witness is believed to disqualify the Eglarufa procedure, uh, even though it's not a regular testimony of two. So, and once you're saying, now that an Eid is believed here to disqualify the Eglarufa procedure, how could the second one contradict him? Wherever the Torah believes one witness, says Zula, we look at that one as two, and one has no veracity, one has no power in the place of two. So if the first person is trusted like two, because the Torah gives him credibility, and Ula says in such a scenario he's like two, so the second one who shows up shouldn't be believed, and the Allah should be loyhayu arfin. So Ula says in Chinani, the Mishnah's Girsa should be in the first case, they would not perform the Egla Rufa procedure. Rabbi Yislik also said they would not perform the Egla Rufa procedure. Change the Girsa of the first case. But Rabbi Chiyomar, Rabbi Chiyomar disagreed, and he said, No, they would perform the Egla Rufa procedure. Now, according to Rabbi Chia, you have a kashya based on the principle of Ula. Now, it is important to note over here, Rabbi Chia lived years before Ula, but the principle that Ula stated had tradition. So it exists in Rabbi Chia's days too. So how does Rabbi Chia resolve that tradition in line with the girsa he has in the Mishnah? Why would you do the Egla Rufa procedure if the first is trusted like two, the second has no credibility, and it'll come out, you shouldn't do it. My answer is like Kashya, Kan Bevasachas, Kan So he explains like this. The Mishnah's case is where the two witnesses came at the same time. If they arrived at the same time, so the one who's saying, uh, I know the murderer, the other one says, I don't know the murderer, then they would indeed cancel out, and the first one wouldn't have any more credibility than the second. One person showed up and said, I know I saw the murderer, and the other one says you didn't, but he came later, there the second one wouldn't have credibility and it would be loy hayu orphan. But that's not the case of the Mishnah. The Gemara is going to go through the second and third cases and show the second is going to be a kasha on a the third is going to be a raya. Tanan. Our Mishnah says in the second case, If one witness says, I saw the murderer, and two say, you did not, how you orphan, they would perform the Egla Rufa procedure. Now, Bepashtis, the reason is because two cancel out one, so therefore the one who said, I saw the murderer, has no credibility. But Rashi explained over there back in Lamad Aleph, that's not a Chiddush. Of course, two cancel at once. So it must be the Chiddush is the Diuk. What's the Diuk? That's Mashman that if it was one versus one, they wouldn't perform the Eglarufa procedure. This is a refutation to Rabbi Chia's interpretation of the Mishnah, of the first case. Says Rabbi Chia, the way you're asking from the second case, look at the third case of the Mishnah. Third case of the Mishnah says, We saw the murderer. One says, You did not. They wouldn't perform the procedure. Now again, it's not for the 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 chiddush is not for the halacha itself because of course two overrides one. So it must be 
Ha-chad v'chad, you orphan That the diuk is the chiddush, which is if you have one versus one, they would perform the procedure. And this supports my opinion, says Rabbi Chia. Elas, Rabbi Chia concludes, Mas kula b'psulei eidos. The entire Mishnah is a chiddush. It's talking about psulei eidos, meaning it's not to be interpreted that the chiddush is the diukim. The chiddush is the actual cases. I, what's the chiddush in these cases? There it says, it's talking about psulei eidos. We're going to say now, Two versions of Rabbi Nechemia to resolve the Chidushim in the second and third cases of the Mishnah. It's talking about Suli Edus, which means you're talking about witnesses that are not generally acceptable witnesses, and the Chidush is going to be, in this scenario, they receive more credibility based on numbers. So let's see this inside. Could Rabbi Nechemia, like Rabbi Nechemia taught, this is the first version. Wherever the Torah trusts one witness, you follow the majority of opinions. And two women versus one man is like like two men versus one woman. So that's the first version, is that women will be given credibility even so much as to override a man's opinion. Therefore, the Chiddush of the Mishnah is going to be that where you have one man versus two women, and two women, l'chara, generally is not acceptable testimony. Nonetheless, they have the ability to override the testimony of one man. Chiddush, that's the bigger chiddush, which is version number one. Now, version number two is a bit of a lesser chiddush, but it's also kol heicha da'asa Wherever one kasher witness, a man would show up initially, and then afterwards, even a hundred women would show up, they would just be looked at as one. Meaning the man would be like two because he came first and the Torah trusts him like two. A hundred women would be only like one, and the man's testimony would actually trump over even the many women who show up later. But what's the case of the Mishnah? The case of the Mishnah is where women came in the beginning. So we'll explain Rabbi Nechemia's Shita like this. Wherever the Torah trusted one witness, you follow the majority of opinions. So two women versus one woman is like two men versus one man. But if there's two women versus one man who come at the same time, who arrive at the same time, they would indeed cancel out. It would be like 50-50. But the point is, what would emerge then, the case of our Mishnah would be where you have that the women came and uh, they're given more credibility based on the fact that um, based on the fact that we trust two women over one woman or what or two right that's that's the point meaning the point is the Mishnah's case now would be where you have two women versus one woman not two women versus one man in a Hanami that's true but uh, the, the Chiddush of Rabbi Nechemia is a little bit less of a Chiddush than the first one where you actually trust two women over one man, which is a much greater Chiddush. But the bottom line is, the Gemara doesn't understand now why do you need two cases, the second and third cases, to illustrate the same point that if the Torah trusts one witness, women are given credibility. Again, in the first Chiddush of Rabbi Nechemia, that would be even over a man, and the second Chiddush would be only over a woman. But either way, why do I need two cases to illustrate this principle of Suli Edis having validity? Where answers the Khumra. Because you might say you only follow the majority of opinions, that's only when you're being machmir, which is the second case, to do the Eglarufa procedure. Avalakula, but in the third case, to not do the Eglarufa procedure, lay. Maybe you're not allowed to be makil and utilize this principle of Halachacharov Deos. Kamash Malan, that you could even follow the majority of opinions to be makil and not do the Eglarufa procedure when the Torah trusts one witness. Let's move on. Says the Gemara, Mishurabaratzchanan. So we're going to go through now a series of a Gemara that talks about 
all of the terrible things that occurred following uh, the drop in uh, level of morality. When the murderers increased, but they stopped performing this pr- procedure of Egla Rufa. Because it was only brought when there was a Suffolk. But when people started to murder in public, but it was negated because we know who these murderers were and it wasn't necessary as a, it wasn't a Suffolk and therefore necessary to bring the Egla Rufas anymore. You weren't allowed to. So he continues the Gemara. We said in the Mishnah, when the adulterers increase, they stop the Mayim Hamarim. And the Pasuk says that when the man is cleansed from sin, the water checks his wife. How do we expound the Pasuk? When the husband is cleansed from sin, the water would check his wife. If it's not, if he's not clean from sin, so then the water will not check his wife. Meaning, and since men were then involved with inappropriate relationships, now she says with the wife herself after she'd become a sota, or with other women that were prohibited, therefore the waters no longer work. And furthermore, the Pasuk says, in Hosea, Lo Efkod al Binosechem, I will not check your daughter's kisses nena for they stray, chule, like we brought in the Mishnah. Maiva Imrish the Gemara says, Why did it need to bring a second Pasuk? And maybe it only invalidates the Sota water effects if he, the husband, is acting inappropriately. But maybe if it's his sons and daughters that are acting inappropriately, it wouldn't negate the Sota waters of the wife of the mother. So the Gemara says, Tashmali Efkar al Benesechem kisses Nena. Therefore, the Pasuk says, I will not check your daughters for they stray, and your daughters in law for they perform adultery. Maybe it's only if people are involved, he or they're involved in Ashish Ish. But Avon de Penuya Loi, if he's involved in a, sleeping with a Penuya, a single girl where the Isser isn't as severe, maybe the waters would still work. Tashma, therefore, it says, Kihemi Mazainasi Paredu, they. With the zonas, the zonas, the prostitutes consort the imakedeshos yizabechu, and with the religious prostitutes, they uh, they sacrifice vegoimer. But the point is, is that even if it's not necessarily adultery, but if the men are involved in such illicit affairs, the water no longer checks their wives. Continues the Gemara. My va'am layovin yelabit. What does it mean? How do we interpret the verse that says the nation doesn't understand and they stumble? Amr Belazar, Amr Lahem Navi the Israel, the Navi is telling the Jewish people, if you're careful with yourselves and you're not involved in illicit affairs, the waters will check your wives. But if not, the waters will not check your wives. And that's what it means when it says you'll stumble. Because what will end up happening is you'll go through this procedure, but it'll all be for naught. You'll be written for naught. You'll be erasing Hashem's name, and it's not going to have any real effect because the uh, the you acted in an inappropriate fashion. So you're just erasing Hashem's name for no reason, you're gonna stumble. Okay, let's continue. Mishurabu Bali Hanoi continues the Gemara on the same note. It says when the Bali Hanoi, people that were B'nai Torah but they started to seek different pleasures, Nisav and they increased Nisav Suadinin, the judgments became perverted, Nisgalkala Mais and people's actions became messed up because they wanted to do things for their own lust, for their own pleasures. There was no peace in the world, there was no calm. When the judges who showed favoritism in, judge, in judgment increased, they stopped, the, they, they, they stopped performing the mitzvah of Leisaguru, you shouldn't be scared from the litigants, and they also stopped fulfilling the mitzvah of Leisakiru, that they shouldn't show favoritism in judgment, they removed the yoke of heaven, and instead they put on themselves the yoke of 
of regular people. When when the lawyers who used to tell the judges things in order to sway them in an inappropriate way increased, Rabba Haroin Afbi Yisrael, so anger increased amongst the Jewish people. And the Shechina left them, as the Pasuk says, amidst Hashem, he judges, meaning the point is that Hashem is there when justice is, is served properly, when not Hashem leaves. When the people who fulfill the verse, that it says after their the the um, the money of their hearts means the the desires of their hearts they follow which they they, they run after money rabu so it increased the people that say la that consider good bad bad good and bad and good bad and when those people increased, so a lot of whoa, whoa, a lot of lamentations, a lot of worry increased in the world. When people who spit far, which is a sign of gaiva, increased in the world, so the haughty people increased, and the students decreased. The Torah goes back on its, stu- on its learners, meaning it's looking for a place where are they, am I going to find people who could learn me? Because everybody's haughty and they don't feel the need to learn and to review properly, etc. Mishurabah Yehirim, when the haughty people increased, So the Jewish girls started to want to marry these haughty people because at face value they look great. Because our generation only sees superficiality. Asks the Gemara, is that true? But it was taught, Kihai. That somebody that is haughty, that even the people of his house won't accept him. As it says, that a haughty person, how do we translate that? Even in his own abode, he's not accepted. How can you say they wanted to marry these people? My answer is, initially, she wanted, they wanted to marry these people. And when they realize these people are full of hot air, they get upset about it, they don't want them anymore. Continues the Gemara Mishirot, Matili Maloy al-Balibatim, when the, the judges who gave merchandise to be sold off by businessmen increased in the world, which the businessmen then understood means they could buy their own successes in, in, in court. So Rabbah, Shoichad, bribery increased, Vatayas Mishpat, and perversion of justice, Upaska Taiva, and goodness stop, Mishirot, Mikable, Mikablani Taiva Seich, Umachaz, when people that accepted uh, favors and kept favors, meaning that they accepted favors and they owed favors, increased. So it increased people who did whatever they thought was the right thing to do in their own eyes. Means there was a perversion of the general breakdown of society, general breakdown of society. Rashi says, because somebody that sees that the judges would show him favor because of good that he had done, he wasn't scared of that judge, so he would just do favors for the judge, and then he would expect that the outcome of his court cases in the future would be fine. Shefelim hugvu'u, the lower ones were elevated, va'agavoyim hushbalu, and the haughty ones, were, or the, like, the greater ones were lowered, u'malchusa azla v'navla, and the kingdom, as she says, malchusim shal Yisrael, the kingdom of Israel, azla, is, is, is decreased and, and withers away. I mean, the whole concept of, of malchus. When people uh, who were stingy increased from giving other people benefits, and Torfei Teref Ashi says Gazlanim, when people that steal, people that were stingy from giving out favors increased, so people 
who stopped lending money to those that were poor increased as well. And they transgressed what the Torah says. Um, there's a mitzvah to lend. If we don't lend because we're stingy, it's usr. When people stretch out their necks and have pure, uh, far-looking eyes, which are signs of haughtiness, increased in the world, Rabu Mayim Hamarim, so the the uh, Mayim Hamarim increased because people started to act in haughty fashion, which caused people to act in uh, astray and act inappropriately. Elisha Pasku, but it ended up stopping, as we said before, because everybody started to act in a uh, inappropriate fashion. Rabu Mekablani Matanus, and people received gifts increased in the world. Nismatu Ayamim, people's days decreased, Veniskats Rashanim, and people's years decreased. The Pasik says, Visani Matanus Yechia, if you hate gifts, you live, but if you take gifts, the opposite. Mishrab is a Chuchiali of the people that uh, they don't listen to they obey him properly. Instead, they rely on their own wisdom, think they can understand everything. When that increased, Rabu Machlekes be Yisrael, it increased the arguments amongst Yisrael. When the students of Shami Hill increased, Shalashim Shukal Tzarkan, who hadn't uh, served the rebellion properly to absorb Messiah from them, Rabu Machlekes be Yisrael, Machlekes increased amongst the Jewish people, and Asis Tarakish De Taras, and the Tar became like two Taras. Uh, when the people who received staka from the Goyim increased, this is a, uh, a euphemism. The Jews were above and they were below, but it's the opposite actually. The Jews were in the front and they were in the back. Again, it's a euphemism. It's actually saying the opposite. We lost credibility, we lost power, we lost authority. Let's finish up here. We said when Yosef ben Yezer passed away, the Eshkoilis passed away. My Eshkoilis, what is this? Refer to Amr of Yudam or Shmuel, Kalber, refers to people that have everything, which means he had a real tradition, he was able to give over without any sort of debate, and it was only later when the students who didn't serve properly in front of their rebellion that debate started to increase because of their lack of proper tradition being absorbed from their rebellion. We're stopping here at the bottom of Memzayan and Mabez, as Hashem will pick up with this Yochanan Kayan Gadol tomorrow. Everybody have a wonderful day.